Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. And to everyone who's been supporting us on Patreon, um, buying our merch, liking, subscribing, sharing our podcast out there. Big thank you to you all. And to new listeners, don't feel that you are left out. You can also do the same. You can um, subscribe to whitelabelamerican.com or you can download our app at the Google Play Store. And please share with your friends and give us five stars wherever you're listening on. Yes, a five-star review is very helpful. And if you're listening to the podcast on any other platform outside of the White Label American app, um, please allow the commercials play. That's also a form of support because if you're not on Patreon, then you're going to hear uh, a commercial play. So, yes, that's also a form of support because for indie podcasters like us, um, yeah, we, we if, you are, if you allow the commercials play, that's tiny the sense that comes from those commercials it gets to us but uh, if you skip over the commercials then nothing comes to us so we appreciate each and every one of you's support so keep it coming in keep spreading the word we appreciate that so with that being said um i'm honored to have today's guest in the studio um it's you know life introduces people to your part and you know you don't plan it sometimes but sometimes you know it just happens and you know thanks to my kids school i was lucky enough to see this brother that i have in the studio today and i was like oh it's cool to see another brother you know at this gathering that i attended and i was like gotta gotta reach out gotta reach out immediately and it worked out you know and without you know much further ado i introduced marcus haynes He's an entrepreneur based in Brooklyn, the president and founder of RH1 Consulting, LLC, a human resources consulting firm. Helps, he helps companies improve their people's strategies and processes so that they can scale more effectively. So I'm not going to give much into his background because we're going to learn about it when he breaks, uh, um, introduces us into his story. And there's a lot more to this brother that I was surprised to find out about when I read his bio. So welcome to the show, Marcos. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored to have you here. So thanks for joining us again. So um, let's begin at the very beginning. Have you ever wondered about the meaning behind your name and if there's a story behind it? Oh, there's a very interesting story behind it. Um... My father uh, was very pro, uh, I guess he, uh, I wouldn't say militant, but um, he was very, a very big advocate for the advancement of black people, especially in the United States. And he decided when I was born that he wanted to name me after two of his heroes. Um, so Marcus after Marcus Garvey mm -hmm. and Malcolm after Malcolm X. Right. That's my middle name, Marcus Malcolm Haynes. Hmm. Beautiful names and yeah, after great people. Yes, so absolutely. Can't go wrong with that. 
And that's one of the reasons that I ended up growing up in Africa, because he really believed in a lot of Marcus Garvey's philosophies. Oh. All right. That was a little bit skipping ahead, but uh, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get to that. We'll My get apologies. To that. So, no, 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 no. That's fine. That's fine. You, you're the star here, so you don't need to apologize for that. So um, do you mind, uh, uh, wait, before we, I get to that question, um, do, do you know the meaning of the names? Marcus yes. and Malcolm? Yes. Uh, no, I don't actually know the meanings. Of okay. Names. I just know that the, where the, I guess the orange origins and the meaning behind them, I suppose. All right. Yeah, the significance. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a great significance. So that, 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 that works. I always just ask for the meaning behind uh, the names. Um, that's a good The question. meaning of the names because, uh, yeah, there's so much I've learned from people's names. Like yes. it, it always takes me to places that I never expected right. to, to go. And, uh, so far the, the, the leading is, um, yeah, there's so many names that are tied to, uh, that have Arabic meanings that I wasn't expecting to find out. And right. yeah, I've, I've had people with, um, um, Dominican, um, heritage with names that I suppose that I'm more familiar with, you know, um, that, that you would think are Russian, right? still Arabic. <laughs> and, you know, the, the ones that are Swahili, you know, and I wasn't too surprised by that, but, it's, you know, it's, but Swahili and Arabic, you know, there's, uh, you, 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 you know, there's some, yeah, it, it's a some little roots. bit close. There's right. some roots there. Yes. And then names that I thought were Yoruba, they're like, ah, actually it's Arabic. And it's oh, like, oh. Interesting. Then it starts to dawn on me that, yeah, because I lived in some Yoruba parts of Nigeria. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it was just the pronunciation that made it, <laughs> yeah, that made me think it was Yoruba. Makes all the difference. <laughs> so Arabic tends to be the, the yeah, it's the... The, the leading names on this podcast is Arabic. So fascinating. Yeah, no, that's that's a good question. I'll have yeah, to look into that. So yeah, that's why I love to ask for the meaning of names. Yeah. And see where it takes me. So with that being said, let's jump to the, the next one. Uh so can you introduce us to where you were born and what childhood was like for you? I was actually born here in Brooklyn. Uh, my parents had me here. Um, they already had my brother. My brother was, was four years older than me. Okay. We actually had him. He was born in Africa. He was born in Zambia. Oh. Uh, they came back here, uh, had me four years later, moved back to Africa. Okay. So I spent the majority of my, my childhood, my childhood years in, in Africa. I lived in Zambia, lived in Kenya for a little bit, and uh, South Africa. So I actually graduated from high school in Johannesburg. Wow. So we've had guests from those three countries. Um, I told... One of them well, from Zambia, because one of our super listeners is from Zambia. Oh. Shout out to Zenit. Ah, and nice. uh, yeah, she actually sent a question for you. Oh, really? So um, when I get to that question, I'll let you know. Please so do. I'll, I'll see if you you know the question because it kind of stands out. That's the only one I didn't prepare. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, yeah, we've uh, um, all three countries. We have listeners from there, and um, I, I love. But all three I haven't been there, but um, there, there was one time some Kenyans actually said I was uh, I was a tribe again. Uh, they said I used, to, I used to remind them of one of their tribes. Hmm. <laughs> they were trying to adopt me. I was like, I'm fine. As far as, as, far as you got good food there, you know, I'm easy. I'm easy. You know, it's easy for me to switch nationalities. Just, just, just have good food. 
You know, amazing. That the, the food is the, where the they get. The prerequisite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before before I settled down, it was women. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Two very good reasons. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so. What was childhood like for you, um, going, growing up in different countries on, on the continent? Because, it, you know, people, uh, sorry to cut you there, but, um, you know, people have this picture of like everywhere is the same on the continent. And you, you know, you, those are Southern, uh, Eastern, Southern African countries. And yes, there's similarities, but you must have seen some differences. So what was that like for you? And it was really interesting. Um... I think that I, you know, being so young when I moved there, it was all I knew. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we traveled a lot. You know, we spent time in Europe and spent, obviously came back here to North America. We visited the Caribbean where my, my parents are from, originally from. Uh, we visited Canada. And I could definitely see the differences in terms of lifestyle, mm-hmm. infrastructure, and so on and so forth. Um, and I also was very aware, especially at that young age, of things that, that other countries had that we didn't have growing up. And especially since most of my relatives uh, lived in North America and the Caribbean and in, in Europe. And it, uh, it, it, it was very clear what the differences were. But I, and it was, sometimes it was tough because I... We, we sometimes felt a little bit isolated from the rest of my family, mm-hmm. my cousins and aunts and uncles, because we, we we were the only ones who lived in Africa. Oh, and, okay. You know, so we would maybe come up, come back and visit them once a year for the, during the summer or Christmas time or whatever the case may be. But um, it was so it was it was very noticeable, and like I said, as a kid, you're very impressionable. Yeah, especially when you realize that oh wow. Well, you know, you have HBO over here, but you don't have that in, in Lusaka. <laughs> and just having access to, just, you know, basic things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, we had everything that we needed. But, of course, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of excess in, uh, in, the, in the North America, especially. And we, just, we didn't have excess. Mm. Um, we had one television channel. Uh, we, you know, we didn't have access to all these uh, gadgets and so on and so forth. And even just things like uh, new fashion, you know, um, it was, yeah, it was just very different. But it's, as I, as I've gotten older and after I left, I've really started to appreciate our lifestyle and I have no regrets about it. Um, I'm, I'm really thankful that, uh, that our parents exposed us to that and took us there. And what the, just the life lessons and the experiences that I had are just invaluable. And I hope to kind of pass that on to my son. Um, but it's, uh, it was, people always ask me, like, what was it like? And because especially here in the United States, people have a certain view of Africa. Yes. And what they see on TV and in documentaries and mm-hmm. in movies. And it's very different um, from what, how, it's, how it's portrayed in the media. And, you know, people ask me, like, oh, do you, do you live in a house? Did you have lions in your backyard? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you've probably gotten similar <laughs> questions. And, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's yeah, we, we weren't, we weren't primitive. No. <laughs> you know, we, we had a really good lifestyle. Did you, did you speak English there? I'm like, yeah, of course you spoke English. Um, so, 
but yeah, no, I, I, I have a greater appreciation for my, my childhood mm. now that I'm older and now that I've lived here, I came back here to go to college. Um, I really, I miss it and I appreciate it. And I am really thankful that our parents moved us there. Awesome. So, um, one question I forgot to ask before I jump to one of my favorite questions that I always ask every guest is, um, in, uh, so I'm guessing Zambia, you lived in Lusaka, right? Correct. And in Kenya, what city? Kisumu. Kisumu. Yes. Okay. I don't think I've heard that city. Oh, my, my, my super fan probably must have mentioned that Kisumu sounds familiar. It's very close to Uganda. Very, very oh, close to okay. Ugandan border. Ugandan border. Okay. Kisumu. And uh, you mentioned Johannesburg in South Africa. So, all right. Yeah, because um, that's one way I like, uh, one way I tackle the 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 picture of, uh, I, I change, try to change that picture of, um, you know, that people have of like, you know, Africa is one country or everywhere, you know, it's all the same. I'm like, no, there's, you have to recognize the cities, you know, the places and give people their, their recognition too, right. you know. So um, this next question is a tough one. Okay. For many people, and I get it. And even for me, if you ask me this question, it's also uh, tough. But it depends on what time of the day you ask me this question. So, <laughs> um, that you, you get an answer, but it's fine. If you, you, you know, it, it's it's not um, it, it doesn't have, it's not a question that uh, you have to have the perfect answer to. So, being that you grew up in different countries, uh, cities, and in different countries in Africa. Um, where would you consider your favorite childhood memory to come from? Are you talking about the location or just a specific memory? Um, up to you. I'll leave it up to you. And if you like, I, I can give you a caveat. You can decide to pick one from each country also. If that would be easier for you. That is a good question. I would say, I, I think Lusaka was very special. I spent the most time there. Okay. And definitely had the most memories from there. All right. Um, I think one thing that I, I actually still miss is uh, going to the national parks. Uh, that was something that we did very regularly. My my family, we were uh, avid anglers. So my father loved to fish. And so mm -hmm. did my mother. And they taught us how to fish. And that was our family hobby. And that's something we did on a very regular basis. You know, I... Uh, I was explaining to my wife the other day about how, you know, a lot of people here in the U.S. will, they have a certain uh, common vacation spots or vacation um, activities. And, you know, ours was just so different, you know, and it was it was great. It was fishing. It was something I, I, I probably learned how to fish before I learned how to ride a bike. <laughs> and uh, that Two is... Two things I cannot do. That, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay though that's okay though yep yep so yeah. I, I know who i'm coming to now <laughs> <laughs> well we love to fish and you know and we would go on these safaris but they were not your conventional safaris that most people would envision mm -hmm. but it was that was just our lifestyle like i said we would this is something we would do on a regular basis we didn't go to disney world you know, this is this is something a lot more that I found a lot more fascinating and uh, compelling and uh, educational and memorable. Um, and yeah, so that that is probably one of my my favorite memories from from Zambia. I think from Kenya, I it's, 
I spent time, I basically lived on a farm. A very rural environment. Uh, this little village that my friends owned. My friends' uh, parents um, had owned. And I... Got to, I learned how to live on a farm and learn how to feed the livestock and collect water and. Oh, sorry. What city was that? This is Kasumo. Oh, oh, this is just Kisumo. outside of Kasumo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, this is just outside uh, of Kasumo. This is Zambia. in Kenya. Yeah. Oh, in Kenya. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that that was really interesting. It, it, it was very eye opening for me and very educational for me as well. And learning how to, um, yeah, you if you wanted to take a. A hot shower, you have to boil your water first. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. You know, and... Did you use the little boiler ring? Like the... Yeah, I think it's a boiler ring, they call it. No, no, we, we just we boiled it on the on the fire. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that, that's more hardcore. Yes. <laughs> 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 and just being exposed to some things that I'd never been exposed to before. I, never, I was never exposed to flying cockroaches. Oh, uh, man, that's yeah. one of my nemesis. <laughs> I can't stand those guys. Oh, and the cockroaches yes. are bad enough, but when they fly, uh, it's a whole different... Yeah, uh, a whole different even ballgame. right now, you give me the chills. <laughs> <laughs> They fly right in here now. But oh, I'm, yeah. I'm oh. in the studio. I'm like, all right, oh, absolutely. It's, it's all yours. Take it. One of the worst things in life. Take it. <laughs> Take it. It's all yours. Oh, man, that's that's one reason why I couldn't stay in Texas. Oh, they have them there too. I got the tiny ones, but uh, oh. man, I, I just run. I run to the, the giant Target or Walmart. Yeah. And go buy them, like three, four cans of Raid. And oh, absolutely. Come back, train the whole apartment. Yeah. Shh. <laughs> Like I was Terminator, <laughs> two kinds of raid. Oh, yeah, those things are awful. Hate them. Oh, and these were huge too. Were huge. Oh yeah, they were huge. Oh, yeah. oh. Um, so that was that was really interesting. And then uh, moving to Johannesburg, um, it was an interesting time because I was there um, essentially after apartheid officially ended, mm-hmm. and. We were connected very closely to the the movement to kind of to get uh, Nelson Mandela elected. Uh, my father worked for the United Nations, and he was connected to a lot of people um, in other uh, sectors of the United Nations, as well as people kind of on the front line. We were very close with um, Walter Sisu. I don't know if you know who Walter Sisu is. Sounds familiar. Probably. He, he was the he was basically the Nelson Mandela's right hand, and when Nelson Mandela got elected, um, Walter Sisulu became the vice president. Oh, okay, that, that's probably why I've I know I've he's probably someone who I, I there's too many names. I heard the name right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. probably had his name. Yeah. So they were obviously he was very active in the ANC, and so we knew his. We were very close to his son and his um, daughter-in-law because she also worked for the United Nations. Okay. And, you know, I got a chance to meet Nelson Mandela, um, went to his house. Oh, wow. Lunch, um, really, very special moment. And um, also had the opportunity to to work for the UN. That was essentially my first job. <laughs> By when after I graduated from high school, I, there was some time before I had to come here to go to college because that was kind of always the plan. And um, he spoke to, my father spoke to a friend of his who ran a special mission for the United Nations that was created to oversee the elections. In South Africa? In South Africa. Okay. And so he asked her, she was the director of this mission, and asked her, hey, do you have something my son can do while he's waiting to go to college? And 
she offered me this job and I said, great, I'll t- take it. I thought I was going to be in the mailroom or something. And I, I ended up having an office. She gave me this job <laughs> in the finance department wow. where I was responsible for collecting and keeping track of uh, the receipts and expenses of the employees of that particular mission. So because, you know, as, as diplomats, they're tax exempt. Okay. So they get reimbursed. Yeah. So I'm basically working in accounting. Wow. I have an office and a, an administrative assistant. <laughs> wow. I'm 17 years old, and I, I didn't. Yeah, it was a little. It was a little overwhelming, but that was that was pretty special. It is. For it for is. for a first job. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So what what was that like meeting Nelson Mandela? Oh, it was great. It was um, it was overwhelming, but he was just so kind and generous, and uh, met Winnie as well. And it was just, it was really, really special. Um, I think, like I said, looking back on it now, I kind of like I said, just the the gravitas of the moment mm-hmm. um, might have been a little bit missed on me because being yeah. that young. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I obviously, you know, I was old enough to understand what was going on, understand. Yeah, the history here and the significance of meeting this man. Wow. Um, so yeah, it uh, yeah, it was a very very special moment to to answer your question. <laughs> hey, well, I'm glad I've sh- shaken hands uh, shaking hands with you because now I'd be like, yeah, I've shook hands with somebody who met Nelson Mandela. So <laughs> it's it's kind of transferred to me, so you know, it's uh, absolutely yeah, because yeah, you know, when you're younger, it you doesn't uh, you you don't you don't you understand a lot of things, and um, I, he he didn't show up. I don't think he showed. He he came to University of Ibadan. He was supposed to hmm. um, when right after Bacha died, hmm. and um, for the um, yeah for the matriculation. No, was it yeah matriculation ceremony of nine? Was it ninety nine? Yeah, ninety nine, and that's when I finished high school and there was um, a gentleman, well, I won't call him a gentleman. He wasn't considered a gentleman by us, but he was one of the guys who benefited from Abacha's regime. Mm. And he had, he had a lot of contracts under the military and he was supposed to supply. His claim to fame was that he did not supply Helmets for the military Nigerian troops mm. in, in Liberia and I think Syria alone. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's Syria alone. Right. But instead of supplied motor, mo- motorcycle helmets instead of military helmets, that, that was the allegation. Right. But he made money off that. And he mm. lived in my neighborhood. Like he had a huge um, plot of land, like three or four mansions within Mm-mm. the compound. And the, the the rumors were that it was for each wife kind of thing. So he rotated which house he slept in. So he wasn't liked in in uh, in Ibadan. And um, when there was one time there was protest against Abacha after the whole, uh, every time there was protest about um, over elections, you know, when you stepped out and the army killed a bunch of students and it was claimed that that guy was the person that uh, they were protecting. 
So with the word, um, when University of Ibadan had um, announced that Nelson Mandela will be coming, will be the special guest for the uh, matriculation ceremony right. with uh, General Abdul Salam, who took over, who uh, was in power now after General Abacha's sudden death. A lot of students were agitated when they found out that this guy planned to show up because, you know, a lot of uh, elites wanted to rub shoulders. Like, oh, Nelson Mandela will be around. You know, I want to take photos too. You know, everybody want to show of up course. now. So he actually came. The dude showed up. But I, uh, I don't think Mandela, sh I don't think Mandela was there because we, a lot of us left school mm. and showed up there. And uh, by the time I arrived on, uh, on, the, on the university campus, they had already burnt his car. Yeah, the, 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 this guy that I'm talking about, his car had been destroyed and we were all, uh, most of the students that I met, they, they all had souvenirs of his uh, limousine had been burnt down and uh, it, it, the, it was the first time I saw what a bulletproof glass had uh, looked like when you had destroyed it. <laughs> and people were like, oh, look at it, what it looks like, the chunk looked like, like, yeah, this. So it was the, those were souvenirs, but they destroyed his limousine but the, the armies um, saved him, like got him away. Like, right. uh, yeah, but so people destroyed this guy. Like you still had to, you showed up here, really? You got students killed when Abacha was in power, but you think because Nelson Mandela is going to be here, exactly. you, you, you want to show your face here. So people took that, their anger out on him. So he was lucky that um, the, the army got to him the audacity. Uh, first. Yeah, so um, yeah, I was like, oh man, I missed my chance to see Nelson Mandela face to face. But that was, <laughs> that was like, <laughs> I was like, because, <laughs> yeah, we were running from school and like, ah, oh, let's, let's get down there. And then we were like, why, why there smoke? Why there smoke here? <laughs> like, oh, man. We are oh. burning a car. <laughs> like, oh, it was like, oh, it was, it was like, oh, sirens and all that. And like, ah, oh, man. And then we had like, oh, there was a mini, mini protest and riot. They were calling it a riot. Well, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a riot. It was just. Yeah, a protest. Yeah, it was just like, ah, oh, the protest. Oh, I won't call it a protest. It was just like, the wrong guy showed up. Why are you here? <laughs> Why are you here? Uh, you got students killed in the past. Right. And then you want to show your face because uh, you, do you know Nelson Mandela is? You're not supposed to be around him. Right. Oh, the yeah. Nerve. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, ah, man. So even for that moment, I didn't even think about Nelson Mandela. I was just like, oh, man, I would have loved to throw a stone at that guy too. <laughs> throw a stone at that guy. <laughs> but yeah, we're all teenagers then. And, and, right. Was later, I was like, oh man, but how would Nelson Mandela have showed up if we're attacking this other right, guy? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, probably wouldn't want to be around that. Yeah, security would have been like, yeah, I don't think it's safe. Because, right. You know, the students are agitated. Yeah. And all that. But looking back, like, like yeah, you know, we, we, everybody was angry. We had to let the anger out. And that's why the wrong person showed up before Nelson Mandela. It's like, yeah, you know. That's so, completely understandable. Yeah. So let's, um, uh, we'll take a quick break and when we come back, we are going to touch on you um, in college and um, your time in, your, um, your official time as an adult in the um, United States and jumping into your career. So we'll be right back. Hi everyone. We've made it two years and who would have thought so? So let's go further and make it three, make it four, make it five, make it six, who knows? 20. 
but we can't do this without your support so join us on patreon at patreon.com slash white label american pod pod or linktree.com slash white label american go there and you'll see our patreon link and you can join us for as low as three dollars we have bonus content we have bonus materials there's so much juice over there that we don't release to the public and yeah you can contribute in making this podcast better you can send questions you can send your ideas and also there's a lot of new things that are coming the announcements are made on patreon first because we have to you know take care of people who help make this podcast possible so you can be the one to make this podcast what you want it to be come join us on patreon and make it what you like to see join us make it fantastic keep the five stars coming in keep the love coming in thank you for the privilege of your company welcome back and thank you for staying with us everyone so uh my brother mark i forgot to ask one question at the beginning yes sir your parents are from the caribbean Yes. But the Caribbean is made up of multiple countries. Yes. So what country are your parents from? My father was from Guyana. Oh, lovely. And my mother was from St. Kitts. St. Kitts. Wow. Yeah, St. Kitts. Um, I remember there was a sprinter from St. Kitts. That's how I got to know St. Kitts. There was a sprinter. I can't remember uh, his name, though. Yes. You're right. I can't remember his name. You know, I could picture him right now, actually. There was, there was a period where I used to be on top of my 100 meters... Um, sprint before oh, yeah, I just can't before Usain Bolt got me to switch to Jamaica <laughs> immediately like that guy was just you know it was too much I was just like special. you know what I'm, ja- I'm from Jamaica right after the 100 meters over there you switch back to your country it's <laughs> like you know that's it <laughs> honorary Jamaican <laughs> <laughs> that's completely understandable uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I had a, a shipmate in the Navy. She, mm. uh, she was born in Guyana. I have to reach out to her and see if she's uh, out of the Navy. She might be willing to come on the podcast. There you go. And uh, yeah, I think she was the first person from Guyana that I met. And I would later meet a gentleman uh, also in the Navy from Guyana. And he made the best beef party that oh. uh, I ever had. And um, that that's why we became friends. <laughs> <laughs> Another valid reason. Because <laughs> he was like, uh, he was always wondering. I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, so, so, um, wait, wait, you happen to have them? You, you made some big beef party? Like, uh, that, that, I think that was the, around the first time I started accepting it's called beef party. Because <laughs> my one of my good friends from Trinidad and Tobago, uh, she took me to a Caribbean store at Norfolk. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think, the first time we actually got into a serious quarrel. Because, uh, yeah, we, t- we got to this Caribbean store and I'm 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 a uh, I'm a sucker when it comes to them parties. You know that that's like one of the ways to get me. Oh, absolutely. You know, if if Verena had known, she probably would have tied me down much earlier. <laughs> 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 that's, that's one of my weaknesses. <laughs> so I walk in there, and um, we, you know we had gotten everything. I was like, oh, this this store looks like oh, this like my people. You know, okay. And I'm about to check out, and I'm da da da. I was like, "Oh, meat pie! Oh, that's uh, what we call yes. it back home." Yeah, meat pie. And she said, "What? What? what that's not meat pie. That's beef party. Right. Oh, is it chicken? It can be chicken." I said, "What party? Huh? It's meat pie. The meat. That's not meat pie." 
and we are standing there and that's how an argument broke out. I'm like, you people don't know. What are you people talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. What the hell wrong with you people? It's meat, it's meat pie. Right. Now, and when she gets mad, the accent starts coming oh, out. of course. And ooh, she starts cussing me out. And, <laughs> and she has this way, she tilts her hand and her hand starts like, what's wrong with your hand? <laughs> it gets mad. And she's the one that drove me there. And she's like, you want to walk home? <laughs> oh, yeah. You, don't, you can't mess around. <laughs> I love you, Aria. She, she, she was fantastic, man. She's one of my best sisters in the Navy. People used to think we were dating, but no, we were. She was just that cool with me, but oh man, we got. I, I, I was a nuisance, man. I was a nuisance. I was like, "What is wrong with these people? Why, why are you all calling it beef? What? This is meat pie. What is wrong? How can people be calling this? Yeah. So you mean us? Oh God! And I went down and told my fellow Nigerian friend. I think it was the guy in UK, and I told another one in Canada. Can you imagine people from Trinidad and uh, apparently Caribbeans be calling it? Party instead right. of meat pie. What is wrong with these people? <laughs> Meanwhile, I bought like five. Because <laughs> you recognize, you recognize. I'm like, you, you people call it the wrong name, but I'm still buying a lot. And then next time I'm back in the store, I'm buying like 10. Like, man, what's good though? It's really good. You both should call it meat pie. So, what are the differences? So, I, I'm familiar with meat pie, but my experience with meat pie in Africa was. The the meat is is more chopped than ground, is uh, is that what you're you're familiar with, or is you are used to ground ground meat? Um, as far as the, the shape is the, the is by the shape, that's all. But I mean, yeah, but the the actual meat inside inside, of it, yeah, I, I it, know some it, some have chopped ground, or is it ground? Some have okay. chopped. Um, if it looks like on the outside, that's all I go oh, by. Okay, got it. Yeah, as got far it. as they all have that shape. Yeah. Yep, meat pie. I'm a simple guy. Looks like that. That's it. That's all I'm going with. Nice. And I bite it. Mm, mm, tastes good. That's all that now, matters. Now, there's some people who got me like that because, um, you know, you know, back in Nigeria, those days, you know, the, the, the big guy, you see, oh, that must be some good meat pie. And they would just put meat pie on, on the right meat pie sign. Because this was before we had fast food places everywhere. Right. So... You know, um, you show up, wow, wow, meat pie. Wow, and it's so big. And it was like 20 naira. Now it's probably like 200 naira. So it was like, oh, just straight 20 naira. You grab it. Oh, if I look around, you know, none of your friends are around. Oh, man, let me go hide in one corner. And is this joyously not sharing? Man, you take like two quick bites. Ah, where's the meat? <laughs> where's this meat? So, okay, there's some people. They put the meat at the middle, so you have to bite. So you take like four bites. Man, that was that was cabbage only. That's, cr- that's is, criminal. Where, <laughs> you had to go back and complain. Madam, where's the meat now? Uh, it, it, there's no meat in this one. It's just uh, cabbage and uh, carrots. Then why do you call it meat pie? Right. Man, they got me like that a few times because I would just see the size. Oh. It, and they won't tell you that it's... Uh... <laughs> that's absolutely <laughs> awful. I hate when that happens. <laughs> Ah oh, man, they got me, man. That was uh, yeah. We've all been gotten like that. They yeah. got me a lot of times like that. There was usually when I was much smaller back in those days. You want to go complain? Like, the madam will stand up and like, like God punish you. And they run away. <laughs> she has her son nearby, who's like, you know, I can't fight this one. But you know what? 
You're stupid. Man, you run. <laughs> I won't come here. I won't buy anything from you, you people again. You people are, man, these people. That, that, that 20 naira was like the last 20 naira I could. Have, that, have, I, wanted, I wanted to spend that 20 naira on the best meat pie. Right. And now I spent on the worst meat pie. Oh, ah, that's, that's oh, there's no refunds. That's terrible. <laughs> ah, but anyway, let's come back to you. So, you come to uh, United States for your college. Um, where, how did you decide where you go to college? And wh- where did you go to college? I went to uh, SUNY Cortland, um, upstate New York. It's about four hours from here, four and a half hours from here. And really small um, school. And I had applied to several schools on the East Coast, a lot of a lot of them in New York, but mostly on the East Coast. Hmm. I was, at the time, I wanted to major in biology. You know, I was looking to, uh, for a career in veterinary medicine. So that was, that was something I'd always wanted to do is be a vet. Because I love, love animals. Mm-hmm. And I grew up around a lot of animals. And so I was looking for schools that had really good programs. Um, that would kind of lead me along that path. And so I, Cortland was the first school to accept me. And I think at the time, this is pretty much before the internet, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a lot of chances, opportunities to research different colleges. All I had was pamphlets and booklets and things of that nature. And I, I think I was just so excited to to get accepted there because I, I had a lot of, I guess, doubts and insecurities, you know, growing up in Africa and, and being educated under a different system. Um, I was, I, I had doubts and this is, yeah, this is just my personal, my personal issue, I suppose, in terms of my confidence to be able to get accepted in one of these schools. Cause I thought, oh, well, will they accept my grade? This is, mm. you know, cause it's a completely different curriculum. Yeah. Um, and I actually ended up taking the SATs at the uh, American Embassy in Johannesburg, and I studied for it on my own. And I was talking to my cousins who were back here, and they all have obviously they're they're learning different things, and their their curriculum is very different than mine. And they were I thought they were better equipped. They had opportunities and tutors and opportunities to prepare themselves better for this test for the SATs and you know my uncle I remember my uncle came to visit from here and he brought me one of these Barron's books (laughs) to study (laughs) to study for the SATs and I studied it on my own and uh and then took it at the embassy so so when I so that being said, that's why I was a little insecure about whether not very confident. I'm mm-hmm. unsure as to whether I would get into one of these schools. But um, yeah, Cortland was the one, to, first one to accept me, and I just took it. I mm-hmm. said, "Oh, this is perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm going there." And then after I already kind of committed, that's when all these all their offers started coming. Started coming. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I could have gone there too. Oh man, oh, that man. place is nice. Oh, having a good sports team there." <laughs> But uh, I have no regrets. I mean, it just—it was such a good experience. I met some of my closest friends there. Um, that's where I really started to 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 play volleyball and take it really seriously. And um, like I said, most of my closest friends are people that I met there, and 
and uh, my teammates. So yeah, it's it was a great experience for me. Awesome. So since you've mentioned volleyball, yeah, I'll have to go to volleyball question, and I think you know where it's from. So with your moving between countries, how did you maintain your ability to play volleyball, and where did you begin? Your where, where where did your introduction to volleyball begin from, and also another part of it is um, so I guess your well the other part I would I would save the other side of it. So your introduction to volleyball, where did it uh, start from? It started in in Zambia. My father used to play recreationally, and I remember my brother and I when we were very young used to go watch him play. Uh, I think he played like in a league once once a week. And that was my first introduction to it. But ironically, that I didn't really learn the game until I got to college. Hmm. Because um, in terms of playing it uh, at a certain level and actually learning how to improve my skills at that particular sport. Because I, so I played so many other sports growing up. Yeah. I played a lot of soccer. Soccer was probably my main sport. I was a goalkeeper. Okay. And that's what I thought I would actually play in college. Yeah. And uh, I played cricket. Um, oh wow! I was, I was very good. At, very good at cricket. I played squash. I played all these these oh, sports. For squash. My, I haven't had squash in a long time. Yeah, I, I love squash. <laughs> I played all those sports for my high schools. Um, so I played a little bit of rugby. Um, play, I participated in track and field, and so yeah, I was better at all of those things. Mm-hmm. And but when I got to college, I realized that. The if I wanted to try out for the soccer team, it would have been um, a huge commitment um, in terms of practice, traveling, and I had taken on a really serious course load that probably didn't make much sense at the time. Being a freshman, coming in from a different country, and just adapting to uh, college life, yeah, um, it probably wasn't wise to take on such a heavy course load my freshman year. <laughs> But then I realized, so a friend of mine, uh, that I had met on campus, I said, hey, listen, there's these tryouts for volleyball. I said, well, let me go try it out. I, you know, I know a little bit about volleyball. And uh, I met some of, some very close friends who were on the team at the time, and they kind of took me under their wing. Um, this one particular gentleman, his name is uh, JJ. JJ was a, was a seasoned vet, and he saw the potential and he kind of took me under his wing and said, hey, listen, I see you got some skills and you got these, this raw ability, so let me see if I can foster that. And uh, that's where it began. Wow. Awesome. So staying with your, um, your freshman year, um, when you arrived at college, what was your, what would you consider your, Welcome to college. Welcome, which is unofficially, uh, because I know you've been visiting America you know, since you were already born here. But, uh, but this is like your unofficial welcome to America moment slash welcome to college moment. Oof. Um, I think it was. Um, oof. I think I would say it was probably going to my first college party. I was. I think I was a little surprised at how many people were were drinking alcohol, because um, I it it's it's funny because it it seems as though people were rebelling 
mm. against whatever, however they grew up. And they, they were just really embracing that newfound freedom. Yeah. And it was kind of foreign to me because, and this is something that, like I said, I hope to be able to teach my son, is, uh, is just perspective. Because um, we were exposed to alcohol at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And it was never forbidden. But it was, you were, my parents kind of educated us about alcohol and the pluses, the minuses, the dangers of it. Um, but it was never like forbidden. Mm. So we never had that urge to, once we had that freedom, once we got, I got to college, once we left home to like, oh, all of a sudden I got to get drunk. Like I, I didn't appeal to me. So that, I think that was, that was very eye-opening for me to see people passed out and the floor and throwing up and just really just over overdoing it and like i said it was never something that really appealed to me like okay i mean yes i i, I drank and i still drink now but i i still don't have that mentality of like oh i gotta get wasted just go yeah yeah to let loose just right. go wild wild like it's the end of the world right it's just yeah. it was just unnecessary it's like i actually you remind me of um um, our friend um, Muriel, and there was this thing she said about you know she grew up in Switzerland and yes. she said when she saw something similar to what you you, you witnessed and it's like people did not get to be teenagers and it's when they get to college it's like they are living the life that people in other places got to live yes. as teenagers yes so they've experienced that and they are like uh what's happening here when they witness people here going through that and it reminds me of um when i was stationed in the middle east when you're outside of continental america the drinking age in america is 21 right, right. and overseas you're still in the military but it becomes 18. So um, I was in Bar- uh, Bahrain and every ship that was coming from America, they, they stopped there at Fifth Fleet. And when a ship is coming in, you know, all of us after work, we disappear from base because they start setting up beer taps around the base, you know, and these people have been on water for three months. Mm. So, you know, they're going to go wild. And right. all them kids, when they come out, like what beer oh it's like they've never seen beer before right but it's like that freedom that i couldn't have in america i'm having it technically in america but overseas and they just go wild and you see them passing out of beers and it's like and it gets it now even extends to outside of the uniform Mm -hmm. of just uh like it extends to just uh, outside of drinking because like some go crazy like buying just blowing money buying like um three laptops buying a lot of stuff and so you know i had one of my chiefs tell me that like he joked it used to be a joke like you just just watch them watch them you see them running to the the commissary just buying stuff and you're like but you live on the ship mm. where you gonna where you gonna keep all this stuff right and then some's like some come to their senses and some the smarter ones will like ship it home because we have a post office on base, so you can sh- you know you can ship it home if you have enough time to figure. But um, 
if you're buying all that stuff at the end of the day, post office is already closed. <laughs> so except you know some trustworthy shipmate who's gonna um, be willing to do the whole shipping for you. Because uh, guess what? They're thieves in the navy. You know, thieves and yeah, humans. Humans are humans. Right, so right. Uh, before you know that, people are like, oh, I'm struggling, man. I got your arm up, 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 up. And man is throwing up, uh, like, and get the dark side of it is yeah, just among the sexual assault cases that's when it starts mm, to happen too mm, 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 mm. And, uh, i'll never forget uh we, we just finished playing a soccer game and um myself and my good friend he's senegalese he was like one of the tallest people on the base mm. so uh anytime we walked on the streets there were people always coming up to him like he was some celebrity and they were like i, I saw you on tv i saw you on TV. <laughs> and this idiot will be signing autographs <laughs> so we're talking to um, a lieutenant from the the Marines, we played against their team and we're all um, talking together and this young girl comes from nowhere, young lady, comes from nowhere and just jumps on me from behind. Like, hey, you know, I know you. She's just, her words were all slurred. And I was like, who the hell are you? Uh, I know you. Well, take me back to, take me back to the ship. You know, that like, girl, I've never been on your ship. And, but I looked around, there was nobody she was with. Mm-hmm. She was totally wasted. Mm-mm. And the lieutenant just whispered that she's lucky. She she was not on the marine base. Mm-hmm. And she's lucky that she found you two. Because I know you two are not the wrong type. Right. So he was like, I'm on my way out anyway. So yeah, make sure she gets, uh, she gets home safe. And, he left and I was like, ah, man, we can't, it's not like we can just leave out here to lie down and walk away because I'm with like the tallest person on base. Everybody knows. Exactly. <laughs> so if something wrong happens, uh, they can be like, mm. she be like, I saw this tall black dude and she can describe him. So right. we had to carry out to the security checkpoint. And by the time we were about to approach the checkpoint, uh, she saw our ship people and, hey, 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 and she just ran and left us. And they were all, and I was like, wow, just look at, I was like, that's, it was, but they just go wild. And yeah, I think part of, part of seeing something like that too may have um, calmed me down too, because there was a time I was also going crazy because they were providing free drinks for me. So (laughs) it was one time I was like, yeah, okay, you bring the drinks, I'll be drinking. So all that may have also (laughs) calmed me down because there's a, there's a, the free drinks might be coming, but you, you there's there's a way you'd be like, mm, yeah, yeah, free drinks, but um, let me do the Omar Simpson backing up, backing up, and I run away. Yeah, I, I like to run away. It's, it's safe. Right. You know? So, yeah. But, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, it's, I, I appreciate that, Robert. My wife, too, you know, she she's from Germany, and uh, it, it, I noticed that in many places. They, it, it's good to... You know, it, it, it's like um, our friend Mira said, um, you know, they got to be teenagers. They made mistakes, but they got to let a lot of things out. And right. it's not when you, you, you're you not an adult and it's like, oh, I'm getting, I'm trying to relieve that teenage years. Right. It's like, ah, I'm trying because I never got to experience that. Right. right. It's not really helpful to an, to an individual. So I agree. Yeah. Don't hide it from your, your, your kids. You're not helping them. You know, but you can introduce them in a help in a healthy manner, right? And do that to them, you know. So, yeah, 
Absolutely. There's so many ways to get there. So, we, we, you know, we don't have to uh, be 24-7 strict. I actually met a couple in um, Texas. This is the last one I would say. Mm. Just before I left Texas, when I was living there, I was at a bar one night and a gentleman who I ended up striking conversation with. And it was a few minutes after talking to him that I realized that there was uh, someone who I thought was a young woman. And he was like, oh, that's my daughter. She's uh, 16. I was like, what? Whoa. What the hell is a 16-year-old doing at the bar? And he was like, oh, yeah, in Texas, um, you know, you can a 16-year-old can be at the bar if they are with their parent. So he was introducing her to alcohol, but in a safe way. But yeah, you can come, but it's like showing her that it's, it's not what you should think it is, but here's how I should be. Right. So you can come with me, and I'm here, and you know, and I was like, okay, ah. So then I didn't really put two and two together because I was like, what? The father bringing the daughter to the bar, that kind of. But it was when I would go home, I started thinking about it, like, huh, you know what? That was quite responsible. Because it was later I thought I realized that she wasn't just the only one that he brought. He brought her and her friend. Mm. So that's why he could talk to me. Because mm. she was, because I think her friend was at the restroom at the first when I noticed her and then Frank came back. And, right. So she was chatting with her friend and was like, yeah, I buy them drinks. I don't, I don't have to be like 24-7 staying. What are you talking about? And all that. No, 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 let them be. But drink responsibly. And, and it's like, Supervised oh. drinking. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. So you said your initial uh, goal was uh, biology, but we know now you're not in the biological field. Right. So how did that change start to come about? What led to that? My well, my my father planted the seed. Uh, hmm. He he visited. Uh, he visited him and my mother visited uh, me in college my freshman year, and he said he said to me before he left. Uh, after that visit, he said, hey, listen, you know, I'm always going to support you in anything you want to do. And I know you've always wanted to be a vet. But if you ever decide to go in a different direction, I think you'd really excel at the, one of the social sciences. And I said, he said, yeah, you know, sociology, psychology, something like that. And I said, yeah, no, yeah, no problem, Dad. I, I got you. I hear you. But I'm going to stick with this because this is what I want to do. But uh, the following semester, I took Psych 101. And it was like an epiphany. And it was just, it was exactly, it just fit. Hmm. And it, it was something I was really interested in. And I just, <clears throat> after taking that class, I ended up switching my major. And... Um, getting a degree in industrial and organizational psychology. But I, I, I thanked him um, after that because he planted that seed and I was like, yeah, he was right. He was right because he, I mean, who, I mean, who knows you better than your father? <laughs> and he just knew my personality. He knew my disposition. Um, he just knew my character traits. And he knew that, that I would excel in that kind of space. Hmm. Yeah. It took me a while to decide on what area of psychology I wanted to really pursue. Yeah. And I didn't really decide that until my senior year when I was like, okay, I'm going to focus, I'm going to concentrate on, on Iowa psych. Mm. Um, and then that's how I transitioned that into a career in human resources. Wow. 
So wait, IO psych. I don't think I've ever heard IO psych before. Industrial and organizational psychology is the study of the interaction between humans and the work environment. Oh. So that's what human resources kind of is the foundation of human resources. Okay. Wow. And also, that another thing that falls into that is ergonomics. Yeah. That, all, that also falls into IO psych. Wow. All right. That's cool. Wow. Now, psychology 101, that, that's, uh, that's one of the most powerful courses. Ever. Yeah. Because I still have my psych. 101 book Lo- loved it <laughs> how I, <laughs> I, I think I was uh, yeah I was too strong headed on the uh, immigrants most uh, yeah I, I must stick to the business course otherwise <laughs> I, I, yeah because I, <laughs> that, that professor I had I was like man this that class was one of my most fun classes there you go because I was like man what what it was like I was like what Everyone finds that interesting. I mean, it's just, you, know, you can use it, you just apply it to everything that we do in our being. Because all, all that classes, before the class was even, the, the term was over, I was already on, online. How much can I get for this textbook? <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> but Psych 101 was the first one. I was like, man, this textbook, I'm saving it. Yep. It's, it's going with me everywhere. I love this textbook. It's, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. It's, it's relevant. too. And you also reminded me of um, um, a, 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 a professor I met in um, one of the classes I took in, in, in while I was in the Middle East. Um, yeah, it was actually, um, um, yeah, it was, it was HR. Yeah, it was a HR course, right? <sighs> but his dream was to get uh, uh, a PhD in, in physics. Mm. So he was a very interesting guy. Mm. I have to look look up his name again. And yeah, it was human resources. Yeah, it was human resources. I'm trying to, yeah. And I used to always wonder, why, why are you crazy about physics? Like, oh, I thought you were human resources. But now it makes sense. Hearing you now, it, it just brought him to mind. And mm. Yeah, seeing that blend of uh, human resources and physics. But he, he used to always be like, oh, because one day I just hearing him talk one day, I was like, wait, I, I thought you, 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 you work in human resources, you teach human resources. What is your dream exactly? And he was like, oh, I would, I would love to teach physics, actually. I was like, what? <laughs> People are multidimensional. Ah, yep. <laughs> yep. So I have to skip forward a little bit, but um, how did you officially choose? Because... Uh, you weren't in Brooklyn. You you were um you, you went to school upstate, right? Yes. And how did you decide Brooklyn? How did you end up in Brooklyn as your home? You know, and you're doing business in Brooklyn. So when did you decide to make Brooklyn your home? Uh, well, after I graduated from college, I lived in just briefly in Long Island, and then I ended up getting a job. My first, I guess, official job. Um, in Princeton, New Jersey. And I worked for Hilton Hotels for several years. And I, I that was my first job in the human resources field. And I worked there for several years and then moved up um, to Secaucus after I got promoted, still with Hilton, and lived in Secaucus for almost 13 years. And when I met my wife, my now wife, um, she was living in Manhattan at the time and we were looking to move in together and we looked at all the different options um, in the boroughs 
And Brooklyn was it was the first apartment that we looked at that we both really liked and really liked the area. And that's that's how I ended up here. I always say on the podcast, Brooklyn is best. <laughs> Brooklyn is still number one. There yeah, you I know, go. I know go. my boy Corey is going to be like, God dang it, Queens. <laughs> we got a rivalry. And it was, it was nice to come full circle, you know, yep. being born here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I have to step away from, oh no, before I step away from your career, uh, two quick questions. Yeah. Uh, how do you balance work? and family life? Good question. That's very difficult. Um, I have to be very efficient with my time. And I try to, especially with my son, I try to make sure, I try not to work when I'm with him because um, it's very easy to kind of get caught up in that with checking emails and so on and so forth. So I really try to not, at least, especially not in front of them, checking emails and answering phone calls and things of that nature. But um, no, it's it's, a, it's an ongoing challenge you know, to try to do that. And obviously spend some quality time with my wife as well. And yeah, it's 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 very challenging. But I think I, just have, to, I have to be efficient with my time and scheduling is critical. So every every minute of the day is, is accounted for. Hmm. Awesome. So... With all the places that you've lived in, they're all a part of you. What lessons did you take away from living in all these places and how have they helped you into owning, uh, creating your own business and going forward? You know, how, how have they helped you into, uh, yeah, how have they helped you into creating your own business and um, yeah, and moving forward, what would you? What would be the advice you give to someone who's um, looking to go into your line of work? I think, uh, I guess, cliche is to kind of follow your passion because mm-hmm. um, I think that's really important. I think that you know, people will say, "Well, you know, I, they, I was, I was." pushed into this in this direction and this type of career and so on and so forth or I want to get into this career for money or whatever the case may be and that's you know you have your different motivations but I think that if we don't have people who are passionate they're not they're going to be a lot of uh, a lot of areas and industries that are that fall short like teachers for example yep. uh, artists um, you know people that you, you they, these people follow their passion if they're not passionate they're not going to be effective in what they do and I, I don't want to, I don't want someone teaching my son who's not passionate about what they do. But my experiences have really helped me from, you know, in my career as a human resources consultant because I've learned to adapt and understand and appreciate people's differences and be curious about people and, um, you're just curious about learning. So, um, you know, a lot of my friends, they, this is a running joke with my friends about how I, they feel that be, they're being interrogated because I ask so many questions. Um, I used to, 
before I got married, a lot of women I dated used to feel that they were being interrogated. (laughs) 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 Because I just, it's just, that's my happy place, is asking people questions and learning about them and observing. That is, um, because, you know, there's, is active listening and there's um, there's probing asking probing questions and then there's just observation and I, I teach that because that's a, one of the things I teach my clients mm. when I'm teaching people how to interview mm-hmm. is to pay attention to all the details because it's not just about what questions you ask it's about what you're observing and how looking at people's facial expressions and their body language and how they're dressed how they present themselves how they articulate themselves. It gives you an idea as to who they, because who they are, because you're hiring a person. You're, just, you're not hiring a software engineer. You're hiring a person yes. who knows how to program. So, um, yeah, just learning those experiences growing up really kind of taught me and, and kind of built this foundation of curiosity and adaptability. So, I could talk to you all day about, you know, the HR world, and I'll probably have to do that again because uh, there's, I think there's a lot more I have to ask you. Okay. But uh, that, that, would, that would, yeah, that would have to be a part two after <laughs> I arrange that. And uh, there's more I would like to ask you about uh, concerning parenting, um, you know, being a father and a dad with a multicultural background. And um, and also um, raising a child in a multicultural um, family. Yeah. So yes. So I'm 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 manifesting a part two because you're an awesome guest. I'm invited. Yes, automatically (laughs) invited. So thank you. With that being said, we have to go into some fun questions. Okay. We have already been dealing with fun questions, but we have to step away from the, the career side of it. Okay. So. Everyone who gets to be on the podcast is automatically considered a dancer. And oh. we know that you played professional volleyball. Well, I've, I've got some volleyball questions I should have asked too. But, uh, you know, before, you know, pause the dancing. Pretend you didn't hear that dancing side. <laughs> Let me ask this professional volleyball question that I forgot to ask. Yeah. So, um, you played professional volleyball. Um, did, where, where did you play professional professionally? I played for a club that's based here in New York and we traveled all over the country, traveled uh, to Canada, traveled uh, the the Caribbean, played in a lot of international tournaments. Um, I played uh, different formats, indoor, grass, beach. Um, So is there a league here? There's several leagues. Um, Oh. And some, you know, they're varying levels of importance, varying levels of commitment, varying levels of um, rewards and monetary rewards and so on and so forth, um, accolades. Okay. So, um, I'm just yeah. not used to volleyball on TV. So, it, it, like in Europe, uh, Asia, like I, when I was in Bahrain, um, just through some, I was at a pub watching football as usual or soccer you know we'll call it football here. Right. and uh some some african dudes just came to me one day and just say hi and he looked like he was scared and i was like why well, i was i guess i was, I was much fitter then and, and i used to wear much tighter clothes too <laughs> i guess <laughs> so i guess i was intimidated but he just said hi and he looked like he was you know, 
making the head bow. And I was like, hey, 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 what's, what's good? Come down. What's up? Where are you from? He said, Cameroon. And he pointed to a table. There were a bunch of them. I said, oh, you, you all live here? I went and sat down with them. And that's how they introduced me to soccer players, volleyball players. And I was getting free tickets to go watch games. Fantastic. And that's how I met a bunch of athletes living there. And I was like, wow, professional volleyball players. Okay. And that's how I got to meet people from different um, African countries and different parts of the world. And since I left there, I was like, oh, man, I don't have any access to professional volleyball players anymore. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> so I never thought about it that there was a professional league in America. I just assumed it was um, um, like... Well, you know, it's not like the big sports here. Right. So right. I, it never dawned on me that you know, it's like somebody telling me that they play handball. I always just think about Europe, Africa, and um, right. you know, other places. And I don't right. think about the United States as a handball nation. You know? I mean, you have you have better um, established leagues in other countries, especially in Europe and um, and Asia and South America. Yes. Um, you have more established leagues where you make real money. Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> um, and I have a bunch of my teammates have kind of gone and played in those, uh, those especially the German leagues, the Russian leagues, mm -hmm. um, Greece, uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, I had friends who played in all those leagues. Were you ever tempted to go there? I was, but I it would have taken a different level of commitment because I was able to do this while still pursuing my career in human resources. Oh, okay. So it was almost like I had two jobs. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> it's the amount of commitment that I would have taken to, to with practice and playing and preparation and traveling. It, yeah. was, it would have been, I mean, it was enough as it was. Um, but it was, it would have been a better, I would have had to put the HR career on hold. On hold, yeah. To be able to do that. Okay. Um, and I just wasn't willing to do that. All right, so... Next time, I'll all right. So I'll add that to part two. I will, I will get more into the the volleyball career. There you go. But that was for my special super listener, you know. So she wouldn't say you did not ask more. So <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, I did it. I did it for you. There so you go. all right, now back to the dancing question. Yeah. So everyone who gets to be on the podcast, you know, as far as you're sitting down here, you automatically consider a dancer. Mm -hmm. If you deny that you don't dance, we will kick you out of the studio. <laughs> now we'll stop recording. We'll kick you out. Uh, so. We need you to provide us at least three artists that will keep you dancing for an hour. Don't worry, we are not making a video mm -hmm. of you dancing right now. Mm -hmm. But we give us three artists, at least three artists. So since you have three countries that you, you know, you you were um, that are tied to your um, your your your, your um, childhood, you can give us either you know one from Zambia, Kenya, South Africa, or you can give us from. Guyana uh, and St. Kitts, whichever way you want to do it, you can, or you can give us five even. But it's up to you. You know, we, we'll let you play. You can give us one from Brooklyn. There's, but there's a caveat. You can't give us the most popular names. I know people like to throw Nigerian artists. No, <laughs> we're, we're throwing that now. No, that's, you know, it was, it was, it was between people trying to, like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't, and you can't give us Jay-Z. That, that's, uh, no, 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 I know, I know he's from Brooklyn. <laughs> nope. You can't give us B.I.G. either. Nope. Okay. Nope. So, yeah, we want to discover some artists. So, ah. Yeah. We need to show Zambia some love. We need to show Kenya some love. Uh, South Africa, my piano is hot right now, so you can't give us uh, Black Coffee either. <laughs> I love Black Coffee, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he's my guy. Right, right. My, he's my multiple that I have. So, yes. So, you go ahead now. 
That's good. Um, that's a good question. I think, uh, I mean, my favorite artist of all time who I could listen to and dance to um, forever is Stevie Wonder. Mm. Um, so he's definitely number one. Yeah, on man, I don't have list. Stevie Wonder. Yeah, he's definitely number one. That's on nice. Um, I'm a big Calypso fan. Um, uh, the Mighty Sparrow. Hey. Um, it would it would definitely be up there. Um, I I do I do love Beanie Man. I do love Beanie Man. So I'd probably put him on that list. Okay. Any um, Stevie Wonder, Beanie Man, The Mighty Sparrow, Mighty Sparrow. Any women from anywhere? Hmm. Any women? I'm just trying to make it hard for you. <laughs> <laughs> Any women from anywhere? I mean, I. I you said no Beyonce, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, too, you know, there are people who are going to start writing like, oh, you didn't allow me to put Beyonce. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I was like, okay. Yeah. And you can add Rihanna too. I mean, a Super Bowl performance was right. awesome. <laughs> yes. Oh, you liked it, huh? Oh, I liked it. I, 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 you know, I liked it so much that I didn't even realize she was pregnant. That's how you know that. <laughs> That's how you know women are a weakness for me. And, and my wife was like, "Really? You didn't?" Re-? I was like, "Oh, oh, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I was, uh, yeah. That's how. That's how you know. That's how you know it was easy for women to get me at one point in time." Uh, yeah. no, I, that's why you can't you can't you can't allow me to be the tyrants that I, I once used to claim I wanted to be like uh, the grand supreme leader of Africa. Oh. Yeah. That's my unofficial uh, aspiration. Yeah. <laughs> just I'll be the I'll marry one wife from each African country. That's the way you just make me the general of Africa and I have one wife from all the fifty four countries. <laughs> that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I I really like Rihanna. I really like her oh, music. I, 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 did, her. I didn't really love that performance. I was a little underwhelmed. I mean, she's pregnant, man. It's uh, it wasn't about her being she, pregnant. She's hanging up all, all the way up there. I mean, if, uh, yeah, no, that was that was impressive. But it was it wasn't about her being pregnant. It was just yeah. a, and my a, my, my daughter was doing the dances too. I was like, this girl can't. I'm not kid. I don't know. I kid. Your daughter is talented. <laughs> she, she dances, sings, everything. I'm like, girl, don't make me turn into that parent. We're gonna be like, well, you know what? I'm <laughs> gonna start making that money right now. <laughs> <laughs> Did she get it from you or your wife? Yeah. Uh, well, my wife might be like, well, let me not see. Let me not answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on. We can move on. <laughs> ah. <laughs> All right. So you live in Brooklyn, in New York City. Yes. There's no way you don't like good food. Love good food. And you come from a multicultural background. When it comes to Cuisine, where does your heart belong to? Oh. Your go-to cuisine right now? West Indian, absolutely, mm. hands down. But so, what's what, what's the go-to? What 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 what's that one meal that you're gonna say you must have this? If you say you know, if you're gonna say you must have this, and better not be beef patty. That that's mine already. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't do that. I I mean, there's nothing nothing beats a really good roti. Mm. With a really good curry, I would I would maybe take either a curry goat or or shrimp curry. Yeah. I've had shrimp curry. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've had shrimp curry. Goat roti. I've uh, 
that was actually the first, um, yeah, that was the first Caribbean meal I had in America. There you go. My other brother took me to, to some place in D.C. Mm. It was my first weekend after I arrived. And yeah, I was like, what is this? <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's, it's Jamaican food. I said, okay. I don't know if it's a Jamaican place even, but he said roti. I said roti. He said, which one do you want? Goat? No. I said, goat? Goat meat? What? I, I was still on the mindset that you only eat goat meat on Christmas Day or Easter Day. You know, back then. That's 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 what my mindset was. I was like, oh, it's not my birthday though. Right. Just order with my friend. You're not in Nigeria anymore. Right. You want goat meat? You want goat roti? I said, okay, yes. If you're buying. <laughs> I was like, wow, goat meat, and it's not my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, funny, Jamaica's not really known for his roti. I, I'm not sure it was a Jamaican place. Oh, not, okay. With what I know now, yeah. I just can't remember the name of the place. Ah, but, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, but uh, now, now it's I... a West Indian place. Yeah, yeah. it's a West Indian place. Yeah. But uh, my, my, with what I, the basic information that I had back then, I just assumed Jamaican. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, it's, gotcha. Kind of, it's kind of like the way... Um, we all thought um, Sebastian on, on on the Little Mermaid was Jamaican until <laughs> someone told me no, he wasn't. He's, he's from Trinidad. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, he definitely didn't have a Jamaican accent. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we, we, we all thought he was Jamaican. I'm like, oh my goodness. I know most people think that. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I, was like, well, I was in Nigeria then, and we all just said, oh, that guy Jamaican. Jamaican. <laughs> well, that's uh, if everyone knows. That's what they assume. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Good, good routine. Did you have a particular spot, a favorite spot in, in the area? You know, it's funny. I have yet to find a really good place. Um, I, I've been looking. I've been experimenting, and um, yeah, it's it's been tough to find that. I guess a place that has the good the good roti as well as the good curry. Um, so, oh, yeah. they don't have both together, right? Oh, um, so I've been I've been struggling a little bit, which is really surprising me, especially because I'm so close to Flatbush. Mm-hmm. Um, I found some places with some good curry, and I found some places with some decent roti, but not a combination of both. Interesting. Um, but I'm I'm still I haven't given up yet. <laughs> All right, if you see it, let me know. Absolutely. So I go try it. Yeah. All right. So, final question: What would you like to leave the audience with? It's your freestyle moment. Well, it's a pleasure being here. <laughs> um, I think that um, you know, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate, um, I think, people's stories are important, um, especially people who've traveled and experienced different cultures and people who come from different backgrounds. I think. There, there's not enough of, uh, I guess, uh, understanding of other people. I think people, that, especially people I've encountered here, um, are are not exposed or don't try to be exposed mm-hmm. to other cultures enough, you know. And I think, you know, as they always say, that you, you're always afraid of things that you don't understand. Um, but having appreciation, I think traveling is something that is critical for every human being to do. And I've been privileged 
and I'm very lucky that I've been able that I I was I grew up traveling and I still to continue continue to travel as much as I can um, because it's it's a special kind of education. Traveling is something that is priceless when it comes to educating humans. So yeah, I would say that. Thank you, and I agree. Yeah, it's it's a privilege, and uh, that's why I like to let people travel through the words of the guests who are on this program. And yeah, I always encourage people who have the opportunity to travel, meet other people, encounter and uh, experience the world out there, and realize that you're not alone. Yep, and learn, be open to learning. You know, so um. We appreciate you. Thank you for giving us your time. And final thing, uh, please plug in, uh, you know, let people know how they can get in touch with you and please plug yourself in. Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, run a consulting firm, RH1 Consulting. Uh, we help companies to improve their HR processes and strategies, uh, rh1consulting.com. And uh, we are based here in Manhattan. Um, but we have clients all over the country, and we've recently acquired some international clients. We um, we we help your companies to grow and scale more effectively and run more efficiently, and uh, it's something that I'm very passionate about. And we customize our approach to the specific client, so we don't have a you know one broad stroke. You know, one size fits all type of mentality. We don't we don't do that. We customize our approach to the specific client to help them to succeed, to help them to grow. RH1 Consulting, Marcus Haynes. Awesome. So you'll have the link in the show notes and I'll um, make sure it's everywhere and you can get in touch with um, Marcus. I'll make sure I have all that available to you listeners. And yeah, please reach out to Marcos. Awesome guy and awesome individual. All righty. So we'll see you next week. Be awesome. Uh, keep supporting us. Don't forget to like, subscribe. And if you haven't downloaded the app, please do so. Uh, join us on Patreon. We need support. We need to grow our team. And yeah, support in independent sub, uh, podcasters. Thank you for the privilege of your company. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to White Label American. If you enjoyed the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest on the show, or you want to be on the show, send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at White Label American. Thank you for your support.